Thank you, church. Such a joy to be with you tonight to open God's word. I, I'm just filled with thankfulness to the Lord tonight. I, I was uh, looking at Kevin when I arrived here playing guitar and just seeing his smile. And I just remember when I was here for the launch of this church. And, and the first time I came to preach uh, for you guys, Kevin was behind the, the soundboard doing that faithfully and with the same smile he has today. Uh, being an elder of this church and the same joy in the service of the Lord. It's not about the talent. It's not about the position or the title. It's about the heart for the Lord. And I see that in you, brother. And I'm very thankful for that. You know, I, I drove uh, directly after. I had a wedding this afternoon. And we were uh, celebrating, I think, the fourth wedding in the last year for Iglesia Doxa. And uh, it was a joy to be there. And I thought, I, I'm preaching tomorrow at church. And I thought coming, coming here, maybe I will not have voice when I come back to church after preaching. But the truth is, I think I will, I will like my voice more because of the worship in this place. And the singing to the Lord. My, I Praise the Lord for that. I remember in the beginning, we were praying together. You remember that, right? It's like, ah, oh, Lord, please, that this church will be worshiping with so much, much heart and, and voice. And my, it's loud here. It's loud, and I love that. If I can have a taste of worship in heaven, I think it will look just like that. So thankful to be worshiping with you. And, and to see you, Ray, Natalie, and the boys, it's such a joy, such a joy. I was coming here thinking I will tell you something, and I will do it even if they are here, but you know when you go on a sabbatical, when you go on vacation, I was in, uh, on vacation for the whole month of July this year, and uh, knowing that the church is taken care of by faithful uh, leaders in the church, um, one thing with pastors and, and pastoral families is that we can leave and try to rest the best we can, but you are always there on our heart. And we always think of you, and, and even if we have the best vacation in the world, there's something very special about being with the church family. And I wanted to tell you, church, you, you should be so thankful to the Lord, because I don't know here in Ontario, but in Quebec, there's a very high percentage of churches that don't have a pastor, that don't have elders, and that don't have faithful Pastors that preach the word of God, that are faithful to the Lord, and that are not falling away from truth. And, and the Lord has provided faithful people for you. And I was about to say, when they come back from vacation, you should welcome them with such a loud noise and thankfulness. Not, for, for, not to men, we are not worshiping human beings, but worshiping Christ and worshiping God for providing for them for this church. So let's do that right now. They are here, so... <laughs> Love you very much. So glad to see you faithful. So encouraging for my own soul. Uh, tonight I'll be preaching from Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. So if you have a Bible, please open it in Luke chapter 18. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll ask you to lift high your hand so we can... Um, uh, lend a Bible to you. And if you don't have a Bible at home, it will be a gift to you. You can bring that back home. We'd love for you to have the Word of God in your hand. Yes, thank you. So we will open the Word of God in Luke 18. I chose to preach from that text because first, uh, the meaning is super obvious and you will have to endure my accent for 40-something minutes. So I choose something that will be 
easier and really clear for us. The meaning is right there in the text. Jesus says, uh, Luke uh, is telling us the meaning right away of this parable. But also because prayer is always the greatest thing we can do. I truly believe that. Prayer is always the greatest thing we can do in our lives. And the second reason why I chose to preach on prayer is because, uh, like, are you living in the same world as me? Have you seen how the world is going crazy right now? Have you seen the confusion in this world, in our land, in Canada? Just a, a few months ago, um, you know, when I was a, a young boy, we were going to the, the city pool to, 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 to swim with our friends. And, uh, and a man was arrested for what we called exhibition, showing parts of himself that is not supposed to show. But just a few months ago, in the, the Museum of Civilization in Montreal, right next to where we are planting the church, there was a biological man behind a glass just calling people to understand the true liberty and freedom of choice and of identity and people unwrapping him and, and showing his whole body to families that were gathered there, to kids and everyone under the banner of freedom. You see the confusion that is sweeping in our, in our land. Good is truly called bad and bad is truly called good and we don't know where to stand so often. So I chose to preach on prayer because without prayer, we are toast. We cannot stand firm in this world without prayer. And if you're not a believer this, morning, this, this evening, if you're not a believer and you come here tonight invited by a friend, my prayer is that you will meet Jesus very quickly. And that you will begin to pray to him before being swallowed up in this, in, in this confusion to only wake up in hell. I pray that the Lord Jesus will save you tonight as you hear his gospel. The truth is, we cannot live for Christ in this world except if we live prayerful lives. I mean, it depends on what you're living for, right? Because if you live for your own glory, if you live for your own name, if you li live just to, to build your own little kingdom, if you want to see the fruit of your wisdom, of your strength, of your intellect, if you want to see the fruit of your own labor and your own strength, get as far away as you can from prayer. But if you want to see the Lord's strength, if you want to see the, the, the Lord's glory, if you want to live for the name of Jesus Christ and you want to see his wisdom at work in your life, then the only logical thing to do, the only biblical thing to do is to throw yourself at his feet in prayer. And that's my prayer for you this, tonight as you look at this text that the Holy Spirit would convince us of our need of Jesus Christ. So here's the big idea for this evening. I will give myself to prayer faithfully. I will give myself to prayer faithfully. Why? First, because Jesus calls us to it in, in Luke 18. But secondly, because without prayer we cannot stand but the, the thing is, there are obstacles to living prayerful lives. There's some obstacles in our lives that will not allow us to live faithful, prayerful lives. And I want to show you three obstacles or three things that are absolutely necessary for us to be able to live a prayerful life. So I will read the text, Luke 18, verse 1 to 8, and then I'll pray for us. Okay? Let's read it. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray 
and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And, I will, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are here tonight. Bibles open, hearts open, trusting that you have a word for us. Trusting that you are the one who speaks. That you are still alive, still involved in your creation. You are not the God who is far. You are a God who is near. And tonight you want to talk to us. You want to change our heart. You want to stir up affections in our hearts to prayer by your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Lord, that you will give us ears to hear. Lord, we ask that you will change us again a little bit more. As we look to you, Lord, a little bit more in the image of Jesus Christ. We need you. Without you, it's just noise. We need you. We need you and we trust you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. I will give myself to prayer Faithfully. So the first thing I want you to see in this text is I won't live a prayerful life until I understand my helpless state. I won't live a prayerful life until I understand my helpless state. So this parable is very easy to explain when you look at verse 1. Luke told us that uh, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And then he gave the parable. Really easy. You, you cannot miss it. It's clear in the text, this parable serves the goal to teach his disciples that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Here we have a lot of things that we don't know in the story. It tells us a story about a, a widow and a judge, a bad judge, two characters in this story. And Jesus is choosing the characters in the story very carefully. And first of all, he talks about a widow. We don't know her backstory. We don't know why she comes to that judge. She comes with a need. And she says, I want you to give me justice. So she's asking for justice to be done before that judge. We don't know why. We don't know the story. And I believe the, the Lord uh, left us out for us to be able to put ourselves, each of us, in her shoes. To be able to, to say, hey, I also have a need. I also need the Lord to do justice in my situation I also need to come to the Lord with my need and my, my request. And you can do that because Jesus leaves it very open for us to be able to identify ourselves with her. She has a serious need. So what's yours? What are you coming to the Lord with tonight? 
What request is on your heart tonight that you are bringing before the Lord? What is this thing that you are praying for and needing the Lord to act and move in this situation? The text shows us what we should do with our need. The text shows us what we should do with our situation when we are feeling like her. She is helpless, she is needy, and she's coming to a judge for help. So the first thing I want you to see is I won't live a prayerful life until I understand my helpless state. But first of all, because I'm super needy. Super needy. I want you to look at the pictures on the screen and tell me, think about the, the, the link between those pictures. What do these pictures have in common? The first one, you will probably remember that if you're old enough. Uh, maybe you remember the exact place where you were uh, when this happened. The World Trade Center, the two towers were attacked and, and destroyed September 11, 2001. And the picture you have here is after it happens, they took beams from the remains of the building and built a cross and people were gathering and, and worshiping God and praying to God to move in this situation. You remember the, the fear at that time. I remember looking on the screen and, uh, of the TV and thinking that's World War III that is coming. People were afraid. But what happened is that I remember clearly at that time, churches were flooded with people. People were running to churches People were giving their life to Christ and, and maybe many of them left after the peace came back. But for a time, people were calling out to God together as the world were looking at that. Everyone was praying to God to do something. Second picture. Again, many of you will remember that. 80, the earthquake in 2010. Again, I have many Asian friends that were praying to God. But I remember sitting in my living room looking at the TV screen again. And, and I was blown away by, by the journalist doing his interviews. And in the back, we saw a lot of, of Asian people with a guitar and worshiping the Lord in the streets. And people calling out to God to do something. Big crisis. People running to the Lord. And the next one, a little less intense. Apart if you're a fan of basketball, but NBA, April 2018, I remember that. I was watching the match and Patrick McCaw jumped for a layup to do a basket and Vince Carter bumped him and McCaw fell on the ground, hit his back and he left on a stretcher. And what happened that day is that as everyone was looking at the screen, both teams joined arms together and began to pray to the Lord, asking for God to protect him and, and to heal him. What those... Three pictures have in common. Crisis begets prayer. Every time. But the question is why? Why in moment of crisis do we call out to God? And why do people remember that, that there's a beautiful thing about that and a very sad thing? The beautiful thing is that for a moment in time, for a short period of time, God is remembered. God is prayed on. People are crying out to him. The very sad thing is that God sometimes needs to send a crisis in order for us to remember that he is God. Crisis begets prayer. Why? Because when these things happen, we begin to understand that we are so weak and so unable to do anything in the situation. When we feel weak and helpless, that's when we turn to God in prayer. And Jesus here takes a widow takes a widow and put her in front of the disciples because she was the perfect example of helplessness at the time. You know, that when, when, just before the, the towers fell in September 11, 
So many people thought they, they, have, they had it all together, that they were so strong, able to do everything, and that they, they did not need God. But when the crisis happened, they, run, they ran to him. And Jesus takes this widow, and he says, that's how you need to be, like an helpless widow. At the time, uh, you know, widows were uh, probably the poorest people in the land because they had no way to uh, providing for themselves. They could not work like men. They could not provide anything. If they didn't have a husband or a son to provide for them, they were left alone. That's why uh, Jesus called his church to take care of the widow in the New Testament, in Acts particularly. But the widows were so helpless. Jesus takes a widow because it's the perfect example of helplessness. But that's the reason why she's coming to plead her cause every day before that judge. She was so helpless. She understood that she needed help. And she clearly saw that she was not able to get out of her situation by her own strength. That's the first thing Jesus wants us to see, I think, in this parable. The greatest obstacle to our prayer is ourselves. As long as we think that we, have, that we have all of it together, as long as we think that we are strong, as long as we think that we can do it on our own, we will not come to the Lord. We will not say, I need help, Lord. We will not call his name. So listen to this. My lack of prayer is a sign I don't get the gospel right. That's, that's hard, huh? My lack of prayer is a sign that I don't get the gospel right. Because what is the gospel? The gospel is about this almighty, generous, wonderful God, completely satisfied in himself in the, the relationship between the three persons of the Trinity, the, Trinity the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, perfectly happy from all eternity. They don't need us to be happy. They were perfectly satisfied in themselves. But out of generosity, he created the world. He created heaven and earth for us to be In it for us to enjoy not only his creation but a relationship with him. And he placed men and women in the Garden of Eden. He gave them everything they needed. But there was one little problem. The devil came and he began to tempt them. And how did he do that? He said, You know, God is not really fair with you, He's not really just, He's not really good. Because in, uh, through all the things that he gave to you, through all these magnificent uh, landscape you can look at, all the good food you can taste, the, the woman and the man being together in that relationship, it's not enough because there's one thing in his world that he made that you cannot touch. So God is not fair. You see the craziness of sin? I believe God put that fruit in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve to be able to taste the joy, the surpassing joy of obedience to God. But Satan came and they were tempted and they sinned. And then they, were, they became spiritually dead. They were separated from God and they were lost in their sin. But the Lord in his grace again, in his generosity again, decided to save many And in order to do that, he sent his only begotten son. He sent Jesus Christ to took on flesh, to live the perfect righteous life that we were not able to live. And he died the perfect death on the cross, bearing the wrath of God in our place for us to be free from sin and reconciled to God. That's what God did. He sent his son. And if you believe in Jesus Christ tonight, you will be saved too. And you will have eternal life. But you know, the gospel is this. Weak, helpless, 
poor sinners in need of a savior. That's the gospel. We are weak and we need a savior to save us from our sin. The problem is too many of us think too often that yes, we need the help of the Lord in being born again, in coming to faith. Yes, we need Jesus to die in our place so that we can come and be reconciled to God. And we need him, we need him in the beginning to understand the gospel. But once we are saved and once we are born again, we can do the rest on our own, right? No, it's not time to say amen. <laughs> we can do the rest in our own strength. We can, we can finish the course in our own strength. But the Bible doesn't say that. It's Jesus from beginning to end. We start with him and we continue in him. You know, conversion starts with Christ and it's all him. We are weak and we need him. But perseverance of the saints is also Christ all the way through. We need him each and every day of our lives. In John 15 verse 5, you know that verse. It says, without me you can do nothing. And it's true. It's not just in the beginning. It's true all the way in our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ. So in order to teach his disciples to always pray, never lose heart, Jesus takes a poor widow, helpless, and put her in front of them and said, you need to be like her. Utterly desperate and helpless or you won't pray. So lack of prayer is truly a misunderstanding of the gospel. Like Charles Spurgeon said, it's all of grace from beginning to end. I truly believe that. When you think you're in control and sufficient, you don't need any help from God to get through life. As long as you keep your hands on the wheel and believe you can make it on your own, you will not call out to God in prayer. You won't bend the knee. You won't bow before God and call out to Him. Listen, as long as you think that you can change your spouse with your own wisdom and strength, you will never see the power of seeing God change them in the image of Christ. As long as you believe that you are sufficient to bring your kids to saving faith, you will never know the power of throwing yourself before the throne of God. As long as you think that you are able on your own, you will never see the power of God at work in your life. As long as you say, my will be done, you will never see the power of crying out, thy will be done. I love this book by C.S. Lewis, um, uh, the Great Divorce. May, maybe many of you have read it. But in this book, there's this character, George MacDonald, really existed. But in the book, he says this thing. He says, there's only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. You understand that? Those who say during all of their lives, I don't need you, God. I can... Do it on my own. I don't need you. Leave me alone. I can take care of business. I'm strong enough. I'm wise enough. I can do it. I don't need you, God. You can, you can do your own thing and I'll do my own. And in the end, God will look at them and say, you don't need me? Thy will be done. And you'll be separated from my presence for all eternity to suffer God's wrath. Or you can be the other person who lives his life saying, thy will be done, Lord. I will follow your will and not mine. So we need to understand that we are super needy. Secondly, we need to understand that there's only one solution. In this story here, we can find it very weird to see the widow coming. And look at this passage in verse 3. Uh, ex excuse me, in verse 2, it says, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men. And the story is that widow consistently comes to that judge 
You can say, but he's a bad judge. He's not a good judge. Why are you continually coming to that judge? He's a bad judge. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't fear man. He doesn't care about no one. The only thing he wants is his own happy little pleasure. He doesn't care. The truth is she had nobody else. She had no other solution. He is the judge of this region. And if she wants justice, there's only one person to whom she can go. And she's going to that judge again and again, begging, demanding, asking, praying. But here in the parable, Jesus is using that widow to represent us. We need to be like her. But the bad judge does not represent God. It's a parable of opposition here. The bad judge is the complete opposite of who God is. Jesus is using that bad judge to say, if even a very bad judge is able to give justice at some point because she's bothering him, how much more our good, faithful, just, generous God will give justice to his elect. That's what Jesus is teaching here. He is giving us hope that if we come to him, a good judge, he will give us justice. So many of us will say, okay, but uh, does that mean that every time I come to God and I ask for justice or I ask for something, Jesus will just give it to me? No. <laughs> he will give justice, but he will give divine justice. He will give good justice. He will give his justice, not yours. And that's a good thing. I don't know for you, but when I came to Christ, I prayed many silly things. I don't know if I'm too ashamed to say it. Maybe I will regret this. But in my very few first month of being a Christian, I prayed for someone to die because it was so annoying in my life. Don't do that. But I did. And praise God, it didn't happen. It's one thing to pray, but God will answer according to his faithfulness and his justice. And it's like a child asking his parents for things that you know you will not give them. You will give what is good for them, but if your child asks for candies for every meal of the day, maybe if you're a good parent, you will say, mm, not a good idea. It's not good. I will give you some vegetables, and if you like me, some meat. It's good for you. I will not give you exactly what you ask, but you're hungry, I will give you what you need. And Jesus and God does that with us. But sometimes, too often, we, we don't pray because we don't believe, believe in the goodness of God. There's only one solution here. And uh, Jesus is teaching them that if, he come, if they come to the faithful judge, he will give them justice. justice excuse me. So... Um, Here, when I think about that, I think as human beings, and myself included, we are so quick to try and find human solutions in our problem. So quick, quick to run to so many things other than God. When things happen in our lives, we are slow to come to God, but so fast to try to find solutions on our own. And, and then prayer is like our, our last resort. Then I'll come. If I'm not able on my own, I come to God. But God says, Come, come quick to him. Call out to him. Ephesians 3.20, he says the same thing, that to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. He, he talks about God saying, why are you not coming to him? That he can do a lot more than every other source in your life that you can run to. You know, self-help is truly helpless. We need to run to God. It's like putting a Band-Aid on, on cancer. 
it won't do anything. You know, we are so often guilty of the sin of Israel in the Old Testament. I want to show you this passage in the Bible in Jeremiah 2, verse 12 to uh, 13. It's God talking through the prophet and, and talking to the angels and the uh, heavenly host. He says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and... Next slide. And hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. God is saying, my people have committed two sin. First of all, there's this fountain of life. There's this source of living water. God, that can provide everything. This big God who created heaven and earth, who can do absolutely everything. He created the world by speaking. And we said, yeah, it's, it's amazing, but maybe I can build something on my own. And they build this cisterns trying to put water in it and 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 God says it's broken cistern it will not hold but so often we do that in our lives we run to every other kind of things that will not do God himself is the fountain of life and he can do absolutely everything it's not that all these other things are bad in themselves but they're not God they're not God maybe they can help for a time maybe they can help a little But can they do what God can do? You know, in the spiritual realm, there's nothing and no other source of true life and true solution than God himself. So today, maybe we need to repent before God. Maybe it's you. Maybe you need to repent and say, God, I I exchanged you for so long. Instead of running to the fountain of life, I I ran to so many other things, trying to find so many solutions outside of you. And I see today that it's, it's useless. It's not there. So what is your broken cistern today? Come to Christ. He's good to forgive and change our hearts. So secondly, I won't live a prayerful life until I believe the goodness of God. We need to understand that we are very helpless. There's only one solution. And secondly, we need to believe in the goodness of God. That's one of the biggest problems in our lives. The judge is a very bad judge. The judge doesn't bother about man or about God. And sometimes we come to God in the same way that we come to maybe our earthly father. Maybe you didn't have a great father that was showing you the heart of God in his way of being a father. And sometimes we think God is the same way. So I will come to God, but surely he will say no. Surely he will not want my what's best for me. Maybe like our boss, we think we are faithful to ask because we think, no, why bother? Or maybe you think, I'm not a very good Christian. You know, I had a, maybe I will ask him to do something in my life when I have a very good week. You know, we, we think like that, no? Sometimes. Oh, it was not a very spiritual week this week, so I will not bother him. He will, he will answer the prayer of those who are really good Christian. But let me ask you this. Look at the text in front of you. Put your eyes in the Bible and tell me how much of the answer to prayer rests upon the praying person. None. It doesn't depend on your own goodness. It depends on the goodness of God. He says that he will answer quickly to his elect because he is good, not because you are. But again, we misunderstand because we don't have a good grasp of the gospel and the fruit of the gospel in our lives. 
If we think that when we, when we think uh, that God will not answer our prayer because we are not good enough, we still make this about us. Still make this about us. But look at the text in Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16. I want to show you in this text how the gospel of Jesus Christ is related to our prayer lives. Okay, in Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, I think it's on the screen here. Look at this. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every aspect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Wait a minute. That's the gospel. Jesus died in our place. He is our great high priest. He has passed through heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, who intercedes for us before the Father, who died for us. He is without sin. And he says, look at the implication. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, not because you're good, not because you're wise, not because of any of that. Look at the implication for our prayer life. Let us then... With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you see that? Like, I don't know what will, uh, what will stir up the desire to prayer apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't pray because you want to win the favor of God. You pray because Jesus win the favor of God for you. you. You do not pray hoping that maybe God will give an ear to your prayers. You pray because you know you have God's ear in Jesus Christ because what he did for you. So don't say, I didn't have a good week. I cannot pray to God. It's about you. No, it's about Jesus Christ. That's gospel faith. God will answer the prayer of his elects who are in Christ. But now you'll say, okay. He will answer, but like the text says, he says he will answer to his elect. So you say, how do I know if I'm one of the elect? I can pray to God all day, but... But if I'm not one of the elect, you will not answer my prayer. Again, the text is answering that for us. Look at the text again. How do you know that you are one of God's elect? It says, his elect who cry out to him day and night. Is it you? I love, I love that Jesus is saying in this text that one of the most powerful ways for you and me to know if you are in Christ Jesus is through your prayer life. Yeah, maybe it's scary for some of us. Maybe we need to deal with the Holy Spirit right now. But the thing is, he connects prayer with saving faith so clearly in this text. The elect of God are crying out to him. His elect understand the goodness of God. His elect trust in Jesus Christ. His elect knows that their father is hearing them in heaven and so they pray. A prayerful life is the most powerful proof of your salvation. Next, he will not delay. That's the second promise you can take to bank from the Lord. He says that he will not delay. He will answer fast. He's asking three rhetorical questions in this text. First of all, will he give justice? And the obvious answer is yes, he will give justice. The second one is will he delay long? And the obvious answer is no, he won't. He will answer quickly. And here Jesus is giving that as a promise. Unlike the bad judge who delays so long until he's afraid that this woman will give him a black eye. That's, that's what the text says in verse 5 here when it says, so that you will not beat me down. In the Greek is giving a black eye. 
He's not answering her prayer because, because he wants to, because he, he, he's good or he thinks, okay, maybe her case is right and I will give her justice. He's just afraid to be bothered by this woman. But Jesus says, our God is not like him. Our God will answer speedily. So I want to tell you tonight, do not lose heart, brother. Keep praying for this child of yours who is far from the Lord. Or maybe young and you pray, you pray for, for him or for her to be saved. Keep doing that. Keep praying, sister, for your marriage. Do not lose heart that the Lord is able to, to heal your marriage and to strengthen you and to build you up and glorify his name in your life. Do not lose heart for the future saying, I don't know where the Lord, the Lord wants me. But the Lord will be able to guide you and to answer each of your prayer. He will not delay for him I need to say for him to answer speedily is not necessarily how we would answer speedily. It's not to answer too quickly, but in the perfect time. Do you believe that the Lord is never late? You know, during my, my time in Oakville, I remember that so clearly. I was, uh, just before we came back to Quebec to plan the church in 2017, I was sitting in the back of the church at a picnic table. And I was doubting God. Poor me, huh? you never do that, but I do. I was doubting the Lord. I was questioning him. Lord, what do you want to do with my life? What is the clear path in front of me? I don't see clearly and I'm kind of discouraged and, and, and it feels like you're not answering my prayer. And then a woman walked by. To be honest, I don't even remember what she looked like. I don't know her name. We didn't have a conversation. She walked by. She didn't say hello. She didn't say, how are you? Nothing like that. She stopped by and she said, you need to read, I will, you need to read Habakkuk 2, verse 3. She just said that. She walked by. She stopped and she said, you need to read, to read Habakkuk, ver, uh, verse 3 of chapter 2. I said, okay. And she, she left. I was like, okay. I went into my Bible, looked at it. And it's so fitting with the message we have in front of us here. Look at this promise from the Lord through his prophet. He says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. Listen to this. If it seems slow, wait for it. For it will surely come. It will not delay. Do you understand that? When he says that the Lord answers speedily to our prayer, we may say, it doesn't seem really fast for me right now. Lord, are you really answering speedily? Yes, but not in your time, in his time. And here again it says, if it seems slow. My question for you is, what do you do when it seems slow? What do you do when it seems like the Lord is delaying in answering your prayers? Do you quit? Do you give up saying, okay, Lord, maybe, maybe your answer is no, so I'll just stop praying for that. That's not what the Bible says. It says, keep praying. Keep trusting. He will not delay. He will answer. For still the vision appoint, uh, awaits its appointed time. It will not lie. It will surely come. So keep praying. Keep asking the Lord to do what only he can. No, the Lord knows what is good for his children. We don't know. The question is, why, why does it seem slow so often for us? And the answer I have for you is, I don't know. I have no clue. Why it seems slow. Maybe for our faith to kick in. Maybe for our trust in God to be stronger and to be built up. Maybe for us to trust Jesus. But the thing is, don't stop. 
God is calling us to persevere. Jesus is giving these parables for us to not lose heart in prayer. Let me ask you this. How many things do you think that you are not seeing happening in your life because of your lack of prayer? I love the, the lyrics of this song from um, Joseph Meldicott Scriven. You know that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Lyrics on the screen here. But I love the lyrics of that song because it, it talks about what I'm saying here. Look at the lyrics. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Who is here tonight with that kind of pain on his back that you don't have to carry? What needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We shall never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And last one, do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. Amen, church? Do you believe that? What peace we often forfeit because we don't carry our needs in prayer to Jesus. So yes, the Lord will answer. But lastly, and I'll finish with this. The last rhetorical question here in the text is when Jesus says in verse 8, I tell you, give them, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And so often we misunderstand this passage. I heard so many messages about this, this sentence saying, be afraid because you know, at the last time when Jesus comes back, maybe there will be no more Christian on earth. Is it what the text says? Jesus says in the beginning that he is giving a parables in order for them to not lose heart in prayer. He's giving them a parable in order for them to be encouraged in prayer. He will not discourage them at the end of the parables. Jesus is not saying that. The last point is I won't live a prayerful life until I'm fully committed to being found faithful. You know, Luke gave us the meaning in advance. He will not change the meaning through the parable. He is still wanting to encourage the church and the disciples to pray faithfully and not lose heart. So when he's saying that, what is Jesus saying? The context of, the, of this passage here in the chapter 17 and, and 18 here, he's talking, Jesus is talking a lot about his departure. His departure. He's talking a lot about, about the end time. He's talking a lot about persecution that will come to the church and that will come to the disciples. And the disciples may begin to, to fear a little bit about, oh, how will we do in the tribulations? Like, will we be able to go through and be faithful to God? And Jesus says, yes, you will in prayer. Yes, you will be able to stand firm if you stand in prayer. Jesus is talking to them saying, yes, God will render justice. The disciples may think when all these people attack us and, and kill us. 
Will the Lord do something? Will the Lord will just will will the church just end there? No, God will do justice in his time. God will then render justice to everyone according to their deeds or according to their faith in Christ. But his teaching about prayer is even larger than this. You know, he, he, he closely associates faith and prayer in an unbreakable union in this text. You see that? He says, the parable is for them to learn how to always pray, not lose heart. And at the end, will they find faith? Prayer? Faith. Prayer. You know what, what he's doing here? He's saying, true faith prays. How will you find through faith? You will find people praying when I return. And I truly believe that Jesus is saying that to stir up something in our heart. You know, when we are born again by the Holy Spirit, what is the first thing that Paul is teaching us in Romans 8 about the first thing that happens at that time? The, the Holy Spirit is making us children of God. And the first thing that comes out of our mouth is Abba, Father. When Jesus is, is, is changing our heart, we became children of God and we begin praying and prayer is the voice of faith and here i believe it's another rhetorical rhetorical question will he find faith yes he will jesus want us to say to that question yes lord find me praying at your return yes lord find me on my knees i want to commit myself to seek you you know if we will just turn to the lord and receive the teaching of this passage tonight what will happen in this church what will happen in your personal life? What will happen in this city, in this province, in this world, if the church truly believe what Jesus is teaching here? I don't care about gifts. It's important to be able to teach the word uh, faithfully. It's, it's important to, work according, to, to walk according to the Lord's faithfulness and, and call to us in his word. But, but we need to have people who truly believe that Jesus is God, who truly believe that only God can do this. Give me people that are truly faithful to the Lord. Give me a man who truly is giving himself to prayer. A woman who's giving herself to prayer. A, a teenager or a kid who's truly giving themselves to prayer. And watch out world. Watch out cold Christianity. Watch out Satan. The world will change if we have a people that truly prays. And I want to show it to you in, in, in one last way before we close in prayer. You know, the Lord showed us and convinced my heart faithfully about the true importance of prayer. And I want to take you back to, to August 26, 2019. I want to, to show you that when we pray without losing heart, we don't find man's fruit, but God's fruit. Always. So just this last testimony, you guys been with us since day one. You've been praying for us. You're included in that. It's a testimony of you and me and us together being faithfully calling out to, to God. But I want to give you that image just to show you what can happen if we do not lose heart. But at the same time, what can not happen if we do lose heart in prayer? This is a picture of the core group in August 26, 2019. You say we have coats on. Yeah, it's not always winter in Quebec. In August, there's no snow. But it's the, a picture of the actual core group we were in August 26, 2019. We were four people, four adults. Four adults with our, our kids. That was the core group in August 26, 2019. And, and, and we were praying in that building we are in, in that picture. We were praying on a Wednesday night in August 26, 
the four of us. And you know what? It's, it was not easy. One year before the prayer night of August 26, the, the pastor that was planting the church with me left ministry altogether. We were alone and we started again with, with just my family. And then we were four. And that night we were praying our faces out. We were calling out to God, saying, God, please build your church. You know, when you are a hundred people, you say, yeah, God can do it. When you are four, you're like, please, God, do it. We, we have no strength. We don't know what we are doing. And we are praying with our, with our heart to God. And, 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 you know, in prayer night, it's so f- fitting that you have a prayer night this week. But um, when you are in a prayer night, don't turn on your phone, Okay. But that night, my phone was on. And I received a text message from someone at Hope Bible Church Oakville. Someone that wanted to encourage us because I didn't know. But at the very same time, they were having a big prayer meeting in Oakville. And they were praying for us. And since, since I'm, a, I'm a hoarder, I keep everything that can encourage me in time of need. Do you do that too? Yeah. I kept that, that, that prayer. So he sent me a little video of the church praying for us in Oakville. And I want to show it to you. Okay, August 26, 2019. As we come before you right now to your throne as your children in Jesus Christ asking you to bring revival to Quebec. Bring revival to Quebec. So we are praying that this core group would be filled with the Spirit and would start to grow. We'd see tens and then we would see fifties and we would see hundreds start to gather together and the Spirit of God moving and revival taking place and people getting saved and excitement and momentum building and a wave of revival that that shocks us that comes out of Quebec and sweeps through all of Canada. Would you do that? Would you do that for your glory? God, God, this won't happen apart from you. So that's why we're here. That's why we pray. We need you. They need you. And, and there is no limit to what you can do. No limit. And so we ask you for big things because we're praying to a big God who has infinite power and is for your glory. And this is why we're praying. We want your name to be exalted in the province of Quebec, sweeping right through this country. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a wonderful prayer, right? My brother Nathan, faithful pastor in Oakville, he prayed that for us. And the whole church said, Amen. It was in 2019. You know what? We were four at the time. But a few weeks after that, that prayer, you know, in the video, Nathan, Pastor Nathan is praying for 10, for 50, and for 100. And a few weeks after that prayer, we were around 10 people. God answered. We were like 13 people at the time. God is good, right? God answered prayer. You can say, yeah, 13. It's not that much. A little less than two years ago, we reached 50 people. Praise God. And then he prays for 100 people. And I want to show you a video of June 25th of this year, this summer. As we were celebrating the Lord, we put together a little video to say thank you to all the supporting church. Maybe you'll see that once it's it's fully mounted. I took it from the video producer. But uh, it's a little video of our group, June 25th. Let's look at the video. This is Iglesia Doxonal this summer. Yeah, 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 come on. (laughs) The Lord is not done. 
I want to show you this because, because brothers and sisters, it's, it's amazing what the Lord is doing. The Lord is building his church faithfully. But I want to show you this because I want to encourage you. The Lord didn't do that in one month. It's 2019. We prayed for four years. Four years, church. And now we are close to 100 people at church. We need to continue to pray and ask the Lord to save more lives. That day we baptized three people. One young woman who just come from uh, Algeria that arrived here. She was a, a Muslim before. And she came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And her family was rejecting her. And that morning she said, I don't care if they reject me. I want to follow Jesus because I love him and I know he's my savior. The Lord is changing lives in this church. But it doesn't happen because of the talent of a person. We absolutely know that. It doesn't happen because we are good or wise. But because we are on our knees believing that God is doing what God wants to do. So church, will you pray with me for the Lord to continue to build this church? I pray for many people in this place that maybe you have given up on, on praying for, for your kid that doesn't know the Lord. Maybe you, you prayed for a year for something that is very heavy on your heart. And you just stop praying because you don't see the answer. I want to encourage you, do not lose heart. The Lord is faithful in his time, in his way, and for his glory. He will surely do it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful to you. Lord, just being here for me. Just standing in front of this church for me, it makes absolutely no sense on a human level. Father, you know my heart. I'm not here to receive applaud and, and pat on the back. Father, I know my brother Ray and his family and Natalie, they're not here to receive glory. Father, you know your children in this place. What we want is your glory. What we want is your name being lifted high. Lord, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you truly convinced each and every one of us, yes, of our weakness. We don't want to think that we are so strong in ourselves. We need you, Lord. So I pray that tonight you will spark new affections for prayer in many hearts. I pray that tonight you will revive faith in the heart of many people that have abandoned prayer, that have stopped believing that you can change their marriage. Stop believing that you can change their family. Stop believing that you can save their friends or their co-workers. So many people that have so many prayers that have been abandoned. I pray, Lord, that you will revive us in prayer. Revive our faith that we will truly believe that you are alive. You are the God of the living Lord, you are the God who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. We believe that. Lord, will you take this church and make it a house of prayer? Will you answer many prayers that are being lifted high right now in many hearts? Will you answer prayers that will take place in the prayer meeting next week? Lord, please continue to build your church in this place. Save lives. Change hearts. Save children, Lord.
We need you, God. We need you. We want it to be super clear. No, we understand that we are so weak and helpless. If it's not you, Lord, we have nothing. We are nothing. And we will not see your glory. But we believe that if we pray, if we do not lose heart, we will see things that surpass everything that we ever imagined. You will show us your glory in wondrous ways. So be glorifying your church, I pray tonight in Jesus' name with faith. And all the church say amen.